I'm Clay Coley with Leona Creek Cattle and Coley Beef in Inez, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We got another week rolling, and I've got another episode rolling for you of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, a Texas wheat farmer is facing a unique harvesting challenge thanks to illegal immigration. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. The acreage report put out by USDA on Friday provided quite a surprise on corn acres. I'm James Hunt, and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll hear one leading economist's thoughts on how farmers should consider the new numbers. Now we're into the month of July, one of the hottest months of the year here in Texas. We'll take a look at that forecast and look back at June and the severe weather across the state. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have more just ahead on Texas Ag Today. Hot sunny weather has jump-started grain sorghum harvest here in the coastal band. This is Harvey Beering reporting from the Corpus Christi area. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. This has been a challenging year to harvest the Texas wheat crop with most of the issues related to weather. But down in South Texas, harvest is even more complicated due to illegal immigration. Carl Mickey grows wheat in Uvalde County, and he's spent a lot of time trying to clean all of the clothes, shoes, backpacks, and other debris left by illegal immigrants out of his wheat fields. And then when they catch them out in the middle, like my wheat field, They throw all their stuff wherever they catch them. They make them throw all their backpacks and extra clothing and all that stuff on the ground, take their shoes off, and tell them to keep uh, identification, and that's it. And then they drive off and leave it. And so that's what I've been picking up out of my wheat field for the last week. And he's expecting the same problem when it's time to harvest cotton. I've got cotton in a pivot next to the wheat field that they're going across and they're going to be leaving backpacks out there. The cotton's not quite big enough to hide in yet, but as soon as it is, they'll be out there chasing them around in the cotton. And if we get any of those plastic bags or backpacks, any, whatever, if that ends up in a ground bell of cotton, well, I'll probably get deducted on grade. And if it's bad enough, they may not even pay you for that bale. Mickey says the cause of this problem is there's a railroad that runs alongside his fields. And that's where the train stops and the Border Patrol clears the illegals off the train. 
A small Texas meat processor is getting a grant to expand. The U.S. Department of Agriculture is investing $115 million in smaller, independent meat and poultry processors across the United States, including one right here in Texas. $6.9 million in grant funding will be used to help offset the costs associated with renovating the Great Western Packing Company near Morton. USDA says that will help relieve a meat processing bottleneck that has been impacting West Texas and eastern New Mexico dairy and ranching industries. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. A coalition of more than 18 trade associations is asking a Texas federal court judge to throw out what is left of the Biden administration's Waters of the United States rule. This is the second time they've made this request, but now that the Supreme Court has invalidated parts of the WOTUS rule in the Sackett versus EPA case, the associations hope to get a different result. Among the groups signing on to the lawsuit are the American Farm Bureau Federation, the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, the National Corn Growers Association, National Pork Producers Council, and the U.S. Poultry and Egg Association. The acreage report put out by USDA on Friday provided quite a surprise on corn acreage. James Hunt visits with a grain market analyst on how farmers should consider these new corn acreage numbers. A substantial tumble in corn prices followed the release of the USDA acreage report on Friday. For many analysts, the big bearish jolt came from USDA's estimate of 94.1 million acres planted to corn nationwide, an increase of 2.1 million acres from what the prospective plantings report showed back in March. So how should Texas High Plains corn farmers view those numbers? Texas A&M grain marketing economist Mark Welch says it's important to remember that while estimated acres went way up, you also have to consider what's happening in the fields, as condition ratings in much of the Corn Belt are pretty discouraging. With the additional acres, yeah, you'd expect a significant increase in the supply of corn from what we thought we were going to have just a month or two ago. However, when you factor in a lower yield, that's going to offset that production impact. And so that's just part of the market uncertainty moving forward. For farmers looking for pricing opportunities, Dr. Welch says Corn Belt condition ratings will likely have the most impact on markets in the next few weeks, but other factors are also in play. It's a weather market and still a demand-driven market as well. Much will depend on the global economy, uh, on uh, export competition, the uncertainty out of that Black Sea region with the Russian conflict in Ukraine. You know, there's still so much turmoil and uncertainty around just global agriculture and supply and demand impacts. Now, on another note, Dr. Welch will be among the presenters at the two Texas A&M AgriLife grain grading workshops coming up August 1st and 2nd in Amarillo. There are still openings available for those workshops. Contact AgriLife for more information. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. June was a very active weather month here in Texas. Tom Nicoletti tells us we're now into one of the hottest months of the year. As farmers, ranchers, and everyone else try to deal with the excessive heat in the summer months, we go to meteorologist in charge at the National Weather Service, Tom Bradshaw, in Fort Worth. Tom, let's first recap the month of June, a very active weather month, and then it got excessively hot and humid. 
was a very active month of June, both from a severe weather standpoint as well as heat. First off with the severe weather, we had widespread severe weather through the first at least two or three weeks of June. Lots of large hail report, damaging wind reports across parts of northern and, and west central and the depth of the Texas panhandle as well. And then we also had devastating tornadoes in at least two locations in Perryton, where fortunately three folks lost their lives and then four folks lost their lives in Matador, Texas due to a devastating tornado there as well. Obviously, it was very hot the last week to 10 days of June. We saw numerous records broken for excessive heat, temperatures well above 100 across a good part of northern, western, central, and actually southern, deep south Texas as well during the last part of June. And how are those temperatures going to look uh, along with precipitation chances in July? Well, unfortunately, it's going to be more of the same. Obviously, July is one of the hottest months of the year for the state of Texas. Early indications are that we're going to have temperatures at least at or above the normal level. So we'll probably see a reoccurrence of temperatures in excess of 100 across a good part of the state. A couple of times during the month, heat indices probably well above 100 at some point. Precipitation-wise, probably not too dry. We don't usually get a lot of rainfall in the month of July, but we could see normal amounts of rainfall based on early That is Tom Bradshaw, National Weather Service meteorologist in Fort Worth. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Milo harvest is underway in the Texas Coastal Bend. Harvey Buring has an update from Corpus Christi. Well, the 1st of July usually starts grain sorghum harvest in the Coastal Bend, but this year it was the 20th of June when combines started rolling. That hot, dry, sunny weather had maturity of grain sorghum rapidly increasing, and those early planted fields were ready for harvest. So the coastal bend, harvesting grain sorghum, and not waiting on a rain, the cotton crop here in the coastal bend starting to show a lot of blooms in the tops of cotton patches. They desperately needed rain last week to help hold some of that final blooming fruit up on the top of the cotton plant and that rain did not occur. It may reduce the production potential on our cotton, particularly the early planted cotton, although that season was elongated by the amount of cotton that had to be replanted. So a good rain at this time really wouldn't create a whole lot of havoc here in the coastal bend. It would benefit cotton crop, may slow down grain sorghum harvest for a few days, but it certainly would benefit the pasture situation. That hot, dry weather has taken a serious toll on pastures, and cattle are grazing brown grass at this time. Conditions of those cattle in the pasture will start to decline. Markets have remained strong with this cattle market, but this hot, dry, continued weather and the decline in pastures are prompting some ranchers to think about gathering those calves, getting them weaned, and sending them to market, benefiting from those high market prices and keeping some body condition on those cows if this hot, dry weather persists into July. Reporting for Texas Ag Today from the Coastal Bend area, this has been Harvey Buring. Big cats may be helpful in controlling the spread of chronic wasting disease. I'm Jessica Dolmel and I'll explain coming up on Texas Ag Today. And we've seen the first case of vesicular stomatitis in Texas horses. 
Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Why do you listen? I listen to radio to stay up on news, weather, current events around the local community. It keeps me up to date with everything going on in the world. kind of just takes my mind off of the drive, getting some relevant information that's in time. It's always nice to know what's going on. Okay, what can I do? Well, I'll listen to the what's coming up and you can plan your day. Why do you listen? Go to whyilisten.com, tell us why you listen, and you have a chance to win $500. Visit whyilisten.com today. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. This year's first case of vesicular stomatitis virus in Texas horses was confirmed last month. Dr. Bob Judd has more on the case. The National Veterinary Services Lab in Ames, Iowa, confirmed the virus as the New Jersey serotype. Maverick County is in southwest Texas on the border with Mexico, and the horse was tested after oral lesions were noticed in the horse's mouth. The horse will remain under quarantine for 14 days from the onset of lesions in the last affected animal on the premises. In May of this year, the virus was found on an equine premise in San Diego, and since then, over 95 infected premises have been found, and the virus has also been reported in northern Mexico. Dr. Andy Schwartz is a Texas State veterinarian, and he indicated that the virus can be transmitted through direct contact with infected animals, contact with contaminated objects, or by blood-feeding insects. Vesicular stomatitis, or VS, is a viral disease that primarily affects horses and cattle, but can affect other livestock and can cause blisters and sores in the mouth and on the tongue, muzzle, teats, or hooves. Some animals will also have a fever, drool, and froth at the mouth. Be reluctant to eat and can become lame and even develop laminitis if lesions develop around the coronary band. Lesions usually heal in two to three weeks and most animals recover. To prevent the disease in your herd, control biting flies and keep animals stall to reduce flying insect exposure. Feed and water your stock from individual buckets. Restrict nose-to-nose contact between horses on other premises and clean and disinfect tack after using it. Some states may restrict movement of Texas horses due to this finding of VS, so before moving livestock, always check with your veterinarian in the state you will be entering. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Big cats may be helpful in controlling the spread of chronic wasting disease. Jessica Domel tells how in today's Wildlife Report. Big cats may be helpful in slowing the spread of chronic wasting disease. CWD, a fatal neurological deer disease that impacts members of the deer family, can be spread directly or indirectly by infected animals and the prions they shed in the environment. The prions can live on for years without an animal host, infecting deer that come into contact with them, eventually leading to their deaths. But a pair of new studies recently presented at the International CWD Symposium shed some light on how those prions may be destroyed with the help of big cats. According to the National Deer Association, a trial of mountain lions and a separate trial of bobcats found only 2 to 3 percent of the prions ingested by these cats survived through their gastrointestinal system. The cats do not appear to be susceptible to the deer disease. In each study, researchers fed the mountain lions and the bobcats meat infected with CWD and then studied their feces. 
In the mountain lion study, researchers noted that the prions were only found in the first defecation after consumption. The rest were eliminated or sequestered. And since mountain lions stay close to a deer or elk carcass for days as they consume it, the few prions that make it through their GI tract tend to stay close to the site where the infected animal was found. NDA reports the head of the bobcat study at the University of Wyoming, Maddie Davis, now plans to study the stability of the prions that do survive in the cat's feces as they may be less stable in the environment than other CWD prions. NDA reports there may be enzymes in the cat's GI tracts that can help degrade those prions. Davis is hoping to study that in the future. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Live cattle closed lower on Monday, but feeder cattle were higher. We'll check out all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, visit tfbhealth.com. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle complex moved in different directions as we moved into the July 4th holiday on Tuesday. In Monday's trade, August live cattle dropped 35 cents to close at 176.82. The October down 22, 179.32, with December live cattle down 10. 183.42. So live cattle were lower, but feeder cattle finished higher. August feeders up 32 cents, 247.90. September feeder cattle up 55, 251.37. With October feeders up 62 cents, 253.15. Cash fed cattle market all quiet on Monday, no sales. Last week's trade saw cattle here in Texas sell at 178 to 179. That is one to two dollars lower compared to the previous week. Boxed beef prices higher Monday. Choice up a dollar one, three twenty eight seventy three. Select up a penny at two ninety three sixty four. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Jody Fry, producers in Cargyle, sold cattle in San Angelo on Thursday. Jody, how did it turn out? 600 head of cattle today. Quality overall, probably not quite as good as it was at last week's sale, uh, but these better quality calves in Yerland sold about steady. Calling them instances, 2 to $4 lower on the very fleshiest end and some of those heavyweight, fleshy Yerland type cattle. Slaughter cows and bulls continue to sell about steady. Very good demand for those heavyweight and high yield and slaughtered cows and bulls. Limited numbers of replacement cows like it has been continue to hold about steady. Steers, better quality steers, four to 600 pounds from 190 all the way up to a high of near 270, mostly 210 to 245. Better quality heifers, four to 600 pounds, 185, all the way up to a high of 250, mostly $2 to 225. Slaughtered cows, average to high yielding, 77 to 97. Still several of the highest yielding slaughtered cows from 98 to a high of 108. Thinner or lower yielding type cows, just a few of those today from 50 to 75. Slaughter bulls, average to high yielding, 95 to 115. Most of your uh, 
High yielding bulls anywhere from 117 all the way to a high of 131. Bread cows did have one group of uh, kind of six and seven year old medium bread cows showed to be solid mouth. Uh, Kev in the fall brought $1,300 per head. Now we will not have sales this next week. That's right. No sheep sale on Tuesday. No cattle sale next Thursday. Off all next week. There is a feed crew there. There's somebody there 24 hours a day. Uh, the website lists that, that mobile number. We've got access to it. Call if you need anything over the holidays. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you. You bet. 325-653-3371. That'd be the office number. Mobile phone, 234-7895. Thank you, Jody, and thank you to Texas Neighbor for listening to my program, Walking the Pins, on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. You're listening right this second on Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. Lean Hogs finished sharply higher Monday. July Hogs up 215, 97.82. August up a dollar seventy-two at ninety-four thirty-two. Class three milk was mixed. July milk up two cents, fourteen twenty a hundred weight. Cotton market finished higher in Monday's trade. Adverse weather across the cotton belt, as well as continued support from Friday's acreage report supporting the market. That acreage report showing eleven point one million acres of cotton planted this year across the cotton belt. October cotton up ninety-eight points, closing at eighty-two fifty-six. December cotton up a hundred four points at eighty-one point forty-one cents. Corn market was mixed. Old crop was higher. New crop lower. Those new crop contracts feeling the pressure from more weekend rains across the corn belt and lower temperatures. We close with July corn up two and three quarters, 557 and a quarter. September corn down a half, 488. December corn down one and a quarter, 493 and a half. Lower close in the wheat market on Monday. September Kansas City wheat down three and a half, 796 and a half. September Chicago wheat down nine and a quarter, 641 and three quarters. In the energy markets, August natural gas down nine cents at 269. August West Texas crude down 72 cents, 69.92 a barrel. The financial market slightly higher Monday afternoon. The Dow was up 10 points, 34,418. The Nasdaq up 28, 13,816. The S&P up 5 at 4,455. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.